Welcome to the Connected Insurance Podcast, presented by Agency Revolution. Listen to interviews with the most influential people in the insurance industry. Learn the most important strategies, tactics, trends, and challenges facing today's independent insurance agents and brokers. New episodes every Wednesday. Visit agencyrevolution.com and click media to explore the Connected Insurance family of resources for insurance agents and brokers. Subscribe today and get updates delivered right to your inbox. And now, without further delay, the Connected Insurance Podcast. Hello, everybody. Michael Jans, co-founder of Agency Revolution, and today, delighted to be your podcast host, broadcasting from the casita in the remote foothills of the Sonoran Desert. <laughs> and I want to welcome you to this episode of the Connected Insurance Podcast, presented by Agency Revolution creators of Fuse. Fuse is the insurance marketing software that skyrockets retention, boosts policy per customer, and makes your clients love your agency. I know you've heard me say that before. I'll share this with you. I, While I'm not active in day-to-day operations at Agency Revolution, the podcast is pretty much my bag. Uh, I do keep my finger on the pulse of what's happening, and I read the Slack channel, the collaboration channel, where team members share, uh, v- you know, various and everything, uh, including in one particular channel, the client success channel. <laughs> and uh, and I have to say that I've seen so many clients sharing their successes during this COVID period, and their frankly their gratitude, such as that it genuinely touched my heart sharing how um, the how Fuse has allowed them to strengthen their relationships with their customers, uh, communicate with their customers when they most needed it, deliver some confidence, deliver some comfort, let them know that they're there, and that, in fact, during that period, and I've seen these two comments from end users, from, from insurance agency customers, Um, have also trickled up to the top where they show their gratitude and appreciation. So when I say that this is a technology that can make your clients love your agency, I know that to be true. And when I say it can boost your retention, I know that can be true. And when I say that it can boost policies per customer, I know that can be true too. So if you haven't done it lately, visit agencyrevolution.com. Request a demo of this award-winning software that agents are raving about today. And speaking of raving, I'm raving about the conversation I had with my guest, Donald Light. Uh, I used to cite research and analysis that was done by Donald uh, oh, seven or eight years ago. And we talk about it a little bit in the, a little bit in the podcast, so I won't give that story away. Uh, but what made me uh, what made me think about uh, reaching out to Donald was that his former CEO reached out to me. And uh, that made me think, you know what, I've never really thanked uh, Mr. Light for what I thought was excellent analysis. And so I had the opportunity to do that. To do that. We have become uh, colleagues and friends. And um, I think he delivered a really good conversation for you. So uh, in this, uh, he, ta- he shares his insight on the mid and long term impact of COVID on the insurance industry and the insurance agency, uh, not just the short term. So please pay careful attention to that. And then we talk about <clears throat> that report that he wrote seven or eight years ago and uh, new insights that he's had on um, 
oh, the future of automobile insurance, the future of automobile insurance premiums, and how that will affect the independent insurance agency of today. And then, of course, because his area of uh, his major area of focus for decades has been the um, intersection of technology and insurance. So we talk a lot about that and what your future will look like. And he's got some um, poignant advice on how agents should respond today. So uh, once again, if you hadn't have not had the opportunity to connect with me on LinkedIn, next time you're on your computer, hey, pop up LinkedIn and let's uh, uh, and connect with me. Follow Agency Revolution. This way, you're not going to miss out on the important and juicy stuff that's happening, and there is a lot. Uh, also, please keep your, uh, keep your eye on emails and notifications. I've got some terrific guests coming up um, with some really important messages, including Amy Zupon, CEO of Vertifor, is, a, is an upcoming guest. We've already got it on the book. So um, without further ado, it's a privilege for me to be able to introduce you to Donald Light, the director of the North America Property Casualty Practice for Sealant. And I think you'll agree with me. Uh, he delivered an intelligent, astute, uh, and uh, forward-thinking conversation that, um, oh, shed some light on what our future might look like. Donald Light, how are you? Very well. How are you, Michael? Well, I'm good. Thanks so much. And uh, as a as a little bit of a refresher, well, for our audience, uh, not for you, I, I'm reaching out to you because I had a recent conversation with your former general manager or CEO, and and then I thought, oh my goodness, yeah, Donald, I used to be a um, an avid. I'm not saying I'm still not, but an avid fan of yours. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. And, sure. And, and, and as I mentioned to you, um, oh, we we used to hold uh, annual boot camps. So I get four or five hundred insurance agency principals primarily, and some carriers. And one of the exercises was Michael's annual um, state of the industry address, kind of an okay. overview on strategically what's happening to this industry. Now, it's been a while since we've held those conferences. It's been, you know, maybe <laughs> time goes by quickly, but maybe 10 years. Okay. And, um, uh, but even then, I think we were clearly sensing this is an industry that's like moving towards fast change. What's going on? Well, one of the reports that I cited for uh, uh, two or three years was your report Okay. Um, and I'm paraphrasing the title, so my apologies, but it basically was the end of automobile insurance premiums. Like, right? right. And, you, and right. so you were looking at a lot of forces that are impacting the auto insurance industry and making some forecasting about how um, how that may change for the well, in in my interpretation, for the retail agent. So we'll circle sure. back to that. Okay. <laughs> we'll circle okay. back to that. And, and that report that I cited, I mean, gosh, maybe it is 10 years old. I'm not exactly sure, but clearly things have changed. Would love to get your current perspective, um, but enough me talking. Uh, let, me, sure. let me first, Donald, if you would be kind enough, introduce yourself. Okay, sure, happy to. And thank you for, for having me on, on this podcast. So I am a director in Sellant North America Property Casualty Practice. Sellant is a technology analyst firm so we kind of try to hit the sweet spot between technology insurance, company use, insurance companies use and the business side, the operational side, and how those two kind of, kind of fit together and taking both kind of a 
not too technical of you and not just a pure business view, but trying to hit some produce stuff that's of interest to both uh, people on the operating side and and within technology. Uh, at Celent, I cover uh, emerging technologies, so what's happening with connected cars and connected homes and the autonomous vehicles, which is kind of what you were referring to before, but there's other, other technologies too. Uh, also look at core systems, so policy admin and distribution and claims, rating, so forth, and uh, do some due diligence work on mergers and acquisitions. Uh, Celent is a division of Oliver Wyman, national, uh, actually global, uh, management consulting firm, and we all roll up into Marsh and McLennan companies. So I'm, I'm part ah, of a very okay. large uh, insurance-oriented organization, but in, in Celent itself, while global, it only has, has about 50 people or so. Got it. Okay. <clears throat> I didn't realize that, um, the nature of the corporate connections. So yeah. um, as you and I have talked about, to some extent, we, we've shared a similar interest. You've been doing this a long time, um, yeah. it, but our focus is different. Uh, your focus has primarily been um, industry-wide, global uh, carriers. Uh, right. My focus is uh, primarily retail, the retail insurance agency sector and now insurtechs. Uh, right. But it's that um, fascinating intersection of technology and strategy and how um, technology introductions, the emergence of new technologies changes things, changes right. the very environment that we work in, changes the way consumers behave, and then ultimately right. changes the way industry behaves that I've always found so fascinating. So I'm excited about this conversation. <laughs> okay, very good. <laughs> All right. So, so uh, I also know, Donald, that uh, based on um, what Salem publishes and what it makes available to the public, that it, uh, it seems that you're also the COVID expert, right. at least in regards to the insurance industry. So uh, it seems that we have to talk about that. So I'll, I will put this into perspective for you because I, I know you haven't been listening to every single one of my podcasts for the last 12 weeks or whatever. <laughs> so okay. so uh, my, sense, uh, my sense was when COVID hit, we needed to just dive right into it and give mm -hmm. our listeners tools and practical insights. And so for eight mm -hmm. or nine weeks, <clears throat> that, that really was the focus. And we looked at, at all of the kind of all the different aspects that I could think of, the economy, technology, leadership, management, um, and so forth. And, uh, and I think that phase, I, I call that phase one of COVID, okay? The, okay. Uh, the crisis, the disruption, the anxiety, the confusion. Now I think we're in phase two. We survived, we figured out how to do remote work where we needed to, maybe didn't get great at it, but now we're, mm -hmm. now we're in a phase where we need to start really uh, looking at the future, and figuring out how to thrive in the future. So right. um, if you would now, yes, please <laughs> share your insights on uh, how this pandemic is affecting the industry, what you think our future looks like. Sure. So, you know, there, there's a whole range of financial impacts and, and you, you, know, you and your audience have probably been following them to some degree. So the prominent ones are major uh, changes in my, miles driven for auto insurance, and of course the 10 or so largest auto insurers have been giving uh, rebates to 15% plus or minus for two or three months. Not sure how long that's going to last because as things are opening up, thank goodness, now uh, people are starting to uh, go back to work and not, not work from home so much. Uh, the 
also other sectors, workers' comp in particular, is unemployment, terrible unemployment crisis we, we've had as a result of COVID and, and the lockdowns uh, has, has slashed payrolls and is also itself, re, re, that's the bad news, the top line, uh, fewer people on the job means fewer injuries. So uh, fewer cars on the road means fewer accidents and fewer losses. So insurers are, my sense is mostly staying ahead of the curve that is taking, uh, uh, enjoying the, the reduced, not enjoying, but bearing <laughs> the reduced premiums, but enjoying the reduced loss experience. So um, with only a few exceptions, there, there aren't uh, a lot of big losses turning up. But that's kind of big picture financial. If you, if you turn to you know, what, what happens to people who work in the in industry, whether it's in distribution, the agents, or you know, home offices, uh, field offices, and so on, you know, there, there's really a couple of things that are uh, quite clear that are really kind of industry uh, received wisdom or there's a, there's a broad agreement. And one of them is that the, the whole digital movement revolution, however you want to phrase it, is has been sort of ratified as something important and probably gained steam in terms of a higher priority with senior levels within companies. Now, uh, what <laughs> that it, it, it took a ahead. virus to wake them up. Okay. Well, well that, that's not not entirely fair. Okay. Uh, <laughs> if I can say that, that, you know, if you went back two years, to even maybe three talk to senior management or look at you know how how they were presenting themselves to various publics digital was kind of in the mix but you know digital is is really an umbrella phrase you have to dig down and say okay well that's that's very nice is every why not be digital but what does that mean so it, it's kind of a combination of looking outward so it could be to your distribution channels agents could be to directly to your policyholders it uh -huh. could be looking inside in terms of operations so I, I have a phrase, you know, fast, uh, fast, fun, easy, and uh, and better. Uh, in other words, the to the experiences of whether it's a, an agent working for a company, uh, representing a company, or a policyholder, prospective policyholder, or people just processing submissions, people processing uh, endorsements and changes, making their jobs uh, quicker and more more efficient, lowering costs. And better in the sense of quality improves. And then there's the, the, the fun part, which is sometimes throws people for a bit of a loop when you use the word fun and insurance in the same sentence. But think about and not, not, uh, not my world. They always go okay. together. <laughs> okay, well, good. Uh, but uh, the uh, think of it as, you know, a, a, a good experience, a, a better experience, mm -hmm. even in some sense, an immersive experience that is yeah, the customer journeys is uh, transformed. Right. Right, right. Okay. So, so all this stuff uh, in terms of ma making insurance outward looking, inward looking, uh, more digital has been going on with reasonable visibility for say the past two or three years. Now, what the COVID crisis has done with you know most, at least most insurance companies I know of emptying out. That is to say, everybody can say, okay, go go work from home, and. You know whether agents can be be in their offices or not. Probably most of them haven't been, depending on the state and the locality they've been located in. So suddenly, you know the 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 face to face handshake, stare stare one another in the eyes, as opposed to looking at each other on Zoom screens, uh, is 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 really taken hold. And most a lot of insurers are saying, look, that this means 
you know, whether there, there's a comeback for COVID or heaven help us another digital, another kind of pandemic, and, you know, you can make point to your, your, your favorite quotes, catastrophe that might happen, uh, having being more digital leading to more resilience, another word that's gotten very popular in the past two or three years, is going to be a, a major push, a major push by, uh, by insurers. And I think it's going to affect distribution, the channels, relationships with customers, relationship with claimants, kind of across the board. So let, let, me, let me stop there. I've kind of covered, no, covered well, a lot of ground. Let you, no, no you covered a lot of ground. Questions. Let me, let me ask, let me uh, dig into that a little bit. Sure. What is it about uh, COVID that you think has accelerated the trend toward digital? Is it substantially the nature of uh, remote work and remote communications or are there other factors as well? Uh, I, I think that I mean the you know <clears throat> excuse me if if your if you know if your your distribution force your agents are, are no longer face to face and of course there's a lot of interactions that haven't been face to face for for quite a while but if if they're they're no longer face to face <laughs> and 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 if you you know if you're dealing with you know the brokerage level large large accounts national accounts regional accounts uh, you're you're not dealing is, is in much direct contact so you're kind of forced to to go to di digital means and it's not just digital in the sense that is we're doing right now looking at each other on on zoom screens or, or on on the phone and sending emails but the you know it gets back to well what kind of digital experiences do you want people to have and how, how do you make them you know at least as pro pro probably aim to make them more efficient and at least or more effective that is getting things right or being smart about the transactions you do. And again, having a differentiation in terms of experience uh, because uh, either at the re you know, retail level and for that matter, commercial lines in, in, in agents, agents with their, their customers, agents with the companies, you know, there, there's choices uh, in terms of where, where they place business or in the independent agent sector. So making those uh, interactions uh, e e effective, efficient, and more enjoyable, if you will, to the people doing them uh, than than your your competitors. So it becomes a a uh, a measure of uh, a grounds for for competing. So I think COVID is kind of you know, by by stripping away our ability to have, if you will, direct human contact. I and mean, that's sad sad truth. In, in in most states, most jurisdictions, that's been the truth. Uh, of, of the results. So it's thrust us into this electronic, if you will, digital world. And the question is, how are you going to differentiate yourself, uh, differentiate yourself and, and uh -huh. be more successful? Okay. Uh, so I want to uh, circle back to something that you said a moment ago. Um, it was the fast, fun, easy, and better. Okay. Right. So, right. so uh, well, I'll share a, a little bit of an experience I've had with you. I participate in um, an advisory board for one of the national associations on uh, insurance technology. And, okay. and um, I, I've got a great, it's a great committee, great set of peers, all industry leaders. Uh, and it took me a while, I think, to realize that uh, for a lot of people, when they talk about digital, they're focusing on the fast part of your string of adverbs. In other words, how can we process claims faster? How can we issue a policy faster? 
And, right. uh, and, and so uh, that was an opportunity for me to get on my soapbox and, and present my argument, okay? Because my, my perspective has been, oh, I understand that uh, we want to make insurance better, but from, a, uh, from an entrepreneur's perspective, from an insurerpreneur's perspective, from the agency right. principal's perspective, it's really not just about making a few routine processes faster. It's about the entire scope and breadth of the relationship with the marketplace and right. with the customer base. And, and that, I think, is uh, where you had uh, the, <laughs> the, the second word you used was fun. Okay. Right. I, 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 I might, I mean, it's a great word. I might say, you know, delightful and meaningful. But, okay. uh, it's, uh, but it seems that, tell me what you think of this, that COVID, uh, number one, I think I saw something, and it might have been your research, it might have been somebody else's that COVID has caused insurance carrier management to um, either step up or consider stepping up their investment in digital technologies. And that a lot of the focus is not just on being faster, but it's also on being uh, better. It's about uh, enhancing the relationship that the channel has with the customer base. Right, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you know, if if you go uh, dig a little deeper into th- that aspect of, of digital, you get into, and you, you mentioned uh, customer journeys and personas is, is, a, is a hot word too. So, you know, uh, a, uh, you know, a newly married couple buy their first home. They need, they realize they got to get a, a homeowner's insurance. Uh, so they, that's one persona as opposed to a 60 year old, 65 year old guy who's, who's about to retire. You know, you can, you can kind of spin that out, but the, the the way that the different types of people or personas are going to engage an agent, engage an insurance company in terms of purchase, in terms of renewal, in terms of claims, in terms of broadening uh, kinds of products that they're they're purchasing, is different. And then that goes to number the second way you do with personas. Well, you describe journeys, which is the other kind of word of art that's out there. So. You know, how do you how do you find an agent or meet an agent, or do you have an existing relationship with an agent, and you want to talk about you know life as opposed to per, uh, uh, homeowners or auto? So those are different journeys that a persona can go on, and you know there there is back to technology for a minute. There's kind of ha- half a dozen or more, uh, uh, probably closer to a dozen. Uh, solutions, uh, persona, journey, mapping, uh, uh, defining solutions that help insurance companies uh, define, define those terms and sort of map out what, what the different persona is doing on different kinds of journeys and getting better at that. Now, if you call that fun or enjoyable or whatever, uh, pick, your, pick your own term. But there are tools, there are technology tools that have been, this is not, you know, Pre, uh, post-COVID, these going back probably again two or three years, but the the relevance and the utility of these tools, I think, ha- has been pushed to the forefront by by COVID. Very good. Okay, um, excellent, and I'm glad to hear that on this particular podcast. So, okay. uh, let's um, let's take a little bit of a turn here. So, as I mentioned. Um, you may have a better, uh, a more accurate assessment of the date, but it seems like it's been about 10 years. 
And um, like I said, I used to present an annual state of the industry address and your report was a critical element in um, oh, giving people um, uh, at least a little bit of a view of what insurance might look like in the personal auto realm. Right. And, uh, and my sense was that um, it was significant depending on somebody's strategic horizon. So in other words, right. 10 years ago, if they were a boomer and they were 60 and looking to get out in a few years, it probably wouldn't make that much different. But now we have a lot of agency principals who are uh, in that next generation and coming up, Gen Xers and okay. millennials who are yeah. either principals or part, uh, part principals have equity or have a management or a leadership role or anticipate that they will. Mm -hmm. And it would seem that their strategic horizon is long enough that they should keep their finger on the pulse of right. major trends. All right. right. So uh, I'll, I'll turn it back to you. Maybe uh, we could talk about or you could talk about some of the things that you were seeing roughly a decade ago and then how your perspective has changed based on um, what's happened in the real world and, and uh, you know, other insights that you've had. Sure. Sure. So, yeah, let me let me kind of condense is actually eight years ago, but 10, 10 Okay. Eight years. So maybe that was um, my last boot camp. Very good. <laughs> okay. So, so we'll, we'll condense eight years of, of okay. impact of technology on the auto insurance industry. So uh, eight years ago, I, I think I was one of the first people who kind of looked at autonomous cars because people were talking about it even then and telematics and uh, ADAS, uh, which is uh, Advanced Driver Assistance System. So these are things like automated braking that were sort of r rare but, but around at, at that time. And the, the question was, you know, since all these things are designed to either prevent, prevent accidents and losses and or to minimize or to reduce the amount of damage when, it, when an accident or collision does occur, what is that going to mean for losses and, and then what does it mean for premium? So I made some projections. I don't actually want to go back and cite them exactly, <laughs> but uh, you know, saying that I, I thought there was going to be a pretty major impact by some year way off in the future, maybe like 2020. And, uh, <laughs> okay. You know, some, sometimes in conferences uh, I'll make a, a prediction. I don't do a lot, but sometimes I would do make a prediction. Said, hey, okay, look, we'll we'll we'll, we'll meet for coffee in 10 years. And we'll see how how right it was. So, I you know, know it's, a, it's, a, it's a it's a bold analyst who's willing to make a prediction. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I I don't know what uh, uh, the uh, uh, if I actually made that offer to anybody back in uh, 2012. But but so what what's happened? briefly coming up to uh, current year is that while there's been a ton of money, like literally billions and billions of dollars put into autonomous vehicle technology, what's become clear in just the past year, 18 months or so, is a much harder problem to solve than anybody thought. Certainly back in 2012, even if you go back three or four years, people, some auto manufacturers are saying, well, 2020, we'll have fully autonomous vehicles out on the road for, you know, for people to, to purchase. And uh, we'll put Elon Musk with, uh, a little bit to the side in terms of, you know, his, his use, he uses the term autonomous uh, or so autopilot, I guess, is the, the Tesla term. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're, let's just say that's a, a, bit, a bit of marketing and maybe not as much accuracy as uh, some people might, might Fair enough. see. So, so 
but the the problem of, of what's called level five or fully autonomous, you, you tech might not even you would not need even a steering wheel or anything for an occupant of a, of a vehicle to use because the vehicle is driving itself. That's much tougher nut to crack, and I think that's receding. People are saying, you know, it's five or ten years out now, 2025, 2030. And even then, maybe fully autonomous may be a, a, a goal too far. There's you know, levels below. There's level four, which is you know, less autonomous than, 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 than level five. So on the other hand, those other two technologies I mentioned, telematics and, and ADAS, that's the, the, the acronym yeah. uh, for the, the collision avoidance, onboard collision avoidance kind of technologies, are growing steadily. And there's starting to be reasonably good data, not great data, but reasonably good data around saying that they are effective in minimizing accidents, minimizing severity of frequency, minimizing, uh, reducing frequency, reducing severity, and having an impact there, therefore on losses. Now, there are counter, if you, if you look at total auto industry results, there's been some counter trends until recently miles driven per year were going way up, right? Because we had a wonderful economy until recently. Um, and also the downside of ADAS equipment is it's very specialized, if you will, sort of scientific equipment. You get into even a fairly minor crash, you may have to reduce, replace some of the, the ADAS equipment that's much more expensive than just a, a, a headlight or a bad dent in the door or the bumper or something. So, so some of the, the, uh, uh, so, severity, so your your your, your brother-in-law or Gus down the street probably can't fix that, right? Right. So, but but I, I see now. This is my bold prediction. And any of your listeners who want to buy me a beer in 2030, I'll if I'm if I'm still indulging. Take notes. I'm I'm writing the, this down. Okay. Okay. <laughs> What's the bold uh, prediction? I I I I think you know the 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 secular loss trend that is if you kind of take away you know bumps in the you know small large bumps in the road like we just experienced yeah will will be for losses to go down and i you know call it is a 20 percent losses down 30 maybe 40 percent if you really want to be at the outer edge and premium may will be trail will trail that is the reduction of premium i think it generally is going to trail reduction in losses but still going to have a material impact so coming back rounding back to your you know agency principal a millennial or you know, Gen X or something, the person who's, you know, still anticipates trying to to make a living in the industry is, is an independent agent in 2028, 20, 2030 or something. Uh, I, I think the auto part of the, the, the agency's book is going to be reduced in some sort of a noticeable way. Wiped out by 2030? No. But whatever they're, you know, take a 20, 20%, 25% whack off of uh, commissions because the premium are going down. I think that's not a, uh, a, um, a an unlikely kind yeah. of uh, a, a, an estimate to, to make. Okay, good. That's a uh, that's a well, that's a bold prediction. Um, okay. So I uh, I'll make a uh, an entry in my journal for ten years from now and, and check in with you and. <clears throat> okay. Sure. We'll see who we'll see who buys who a beer. All right. Okay. So, um, <laughs> uh, anything else in regards to like automobile technologies? Is that well, there, there's major? there's the kind of related but separate phenomenon of connected car. And ah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, a, a connected car, the the, the general term <clears throat> just refers to information 
from either driver or more specifically the vehicle itself that is of interest to a number of external parties now could you know including the the manufacturers the OEMs themselves uh repair repair places dealers uh e-commerce opportunities um municipal uh, local government or you know doing the streets and so forth and there there's a and part of that is telematics which is you know how the car is being driven but it, it's a superset it's a broader set of information that's generated captured and and uh, generated and captured within vehicles they have tiny little computers called ECUs is the again the the term that covers virtually every aspect of a vehicle's operation so uh what's going on in the drivetrain what's going on in climate control inside the car what's going on in infotainment infotainment systems what's going on in use of cell phones assuming they are there and or being used or not windows up windows down windshield wipers on windshield wipers off leaving and leaving aside uh inward or outward facing webcams which aren't standard equipment still these days but so there's yeah. a this hu- huge amount of data and the the hypothesis that that I like and there there's some big uh insurance technology data firms so Lexus Nexus uh for in, in particular and uh, some of the telematics firms are getting into it Verisk is getting into it say look we 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 need we believe this other kind of data will have value both with insurers themselves in terms of products product design pricing underwriting renewals but also all these other kinds of organizations in the ecosystems back to the automobile manufacturers the automobile dealers uh auto clubs municipalities uh and just any anybody that wants to sell somebody something to somebody who's driving a car which is a pretty which is a pretty <laughs> broad, broad set yeah. uh with within the economy so that that's it, it, it's it, again. It, it's it's more. Has this stuff been? Has this data from connected cars been monetized in any significant way? Not to my knowledge. Are there people working on it? Absolutely. And I, I just mentioned kind of the two. One of the Verisk mm-hmm. and LexisNexis are very very large uh, suppliers of data and analytics to to the insurance industry, and that they they both have initiatives going. And there's another at least three or four uh, similar initiatives that are that are going on. So. So this is uh it, it, it's it's more of a it, this may be 2012 looking at autonomous vehicles here we are in 2020 looking at connected car but it's it's <coughs> something that that I think is going to uh have positive impacts and and not the least because in this this certainly applies to insurance companies and I, I think to some degree will apply to people running independent agencies is if the first hypothesis, the hypothesis I mentioned a few minutes ago, of losses go down, premiums go down in a material way, what are you going to do? Are you happy being smaller? Well, most most people are not. Most companies and agencies won't be. So how are you going to? Where, where else are you going to get revenue? And you know, using that data and forging alliances with the other uh, kinds of organizations, the the dealers, the repair places uh within the auto supply stores within the ecosystem you know i i think is what some people are are looking at and will look at more and it goes back to this is you know you, leveraging the connected car uh data and and kind of analytics that people hope to to get off of uh, apply to the to that data set all right so well, that's a good segue to my almost last question for you okay Donald. sure 
Uh, well, it's a big picture question. So, okay. um, yeah, yeah. Normally, I like start big picture and then get down into the weeds. Um, okay. But in in this case, you, you've got a really good perspective on this, having been in uh, technology and data analysis for decades in this space. Uh, it, it seems that number one, we've seen a fair amount of change um, in, in, at many levels. Consumer behavior has changed largely because technology has um, allowed and encouraged certain changes. Um, and then um, there, there have been the introduction of various technologies that are industry specific that have caused change. So, uh, so a couple of observations. One, uh, it, it, it seems that the pace of change itself is accelerating. And okay. two, <clears throat> it seems that the trajectory of change um, has, uh, it clearly has some direction in that there will be more technology, more of a need to master the capabilities of technology. Uh, so it seems that an agency principal who's responsible for their enterprise, uh, I mean, clearly <clears throat> they have a they're in a different world than they were in the year 2000, a uh, right. different world in the, than they probably were. Well, <laughs> pick a month. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, so, uh, so, so again, a little bit of a big picture, but I, I wonder if you'd share how you think, how, what, what, how you think this industry will look like, how you think this industry will behave, how it will be different in, you know, let's say this, this coming phase, you can pick a period of time, you could say the 20s or the next three years, but um, yeah, what do, what do you think our industry looks like going forward? So the, the, the broad parameters aren't going to change significantly. I know the, the whole insure tech phenomenon, uh, when it sort of burst on the scene, say three or four years ago, there was some trembling in the executive suites and uh, in other places and agencies of you know we're, these 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 brilliant young people mostly young were going to re rewrite and and change the whole industry that uh, ha hasn't happened and even a a few uh, people who still want to do that lemonade has just filed for its uh, IPO yeah right for example uh, I I think that that's a, a, a Phenomenon I wouldn't ignore, but it, it's still on the periphery. It's it's not central. So mm -hmm. it, let's let's say five or ten years, five eight years out, you know, will there be roughly the same number of insurance companies? I think so. Will they be selling the same products for the most part? But I think some of the you know adjacent. Uh, back to my connected car discussion uh, a couple of minutes ago, I think lo looking for a, new sources of revenue from what's called adjacent, adjacent places, uh, uh, called, you know, e e whether it's e-commerce or auto supply stores or, or whatever, uh, f finding, you know, ways to replace what has or, or might happen in, in terms of their, their revenue base. I think the uh, use of technology and, you know, we haven't talked a lot about analytics, but, you know, AI, artificial intelligence, machine learning, these are, these are very hot, not only are they hot as concepts, but there's a lot of investment, a lot of investment that's going on in, in, in the larger insurers. And, and I think that the uh, way, say, insurance companies relate to their independent agency plants uh, is, is going to change, both in terms of they're going to get, uh, from an insurance company 
point of view, smarter in terms of which agencies do they want to work with and how they're going to work with that those agencies. And I think a part of that is going to be fueled by just using the advanced analytic tools to you know find ways of of weeding and growing the the agency plants that that they have. And and I think the level of sophistication in terms of you know how how the companies want to work with independent agencies is go, is going to grow. So everybody's got a computer. Everybody essentially runs the office on, on the computer. So that that's fine. But as uh, going back to speed and digital experiences and using some of the tools that have come out for journeys and personas and so on, these are, are things that won't, in my view, be available in a meaningful way to a lot of independent agencies. But I think the the insurers. Are going to have incentives to supply those supply those tools and the agencies that you know can get uh, good at using those tools and embedding them in their sort of sales and marketing campaigns and, and customer service for existing policyholders uh, are are going to do better. So let me let me kind of stop there from my. Well, okay. So it it sounds like my my premise is one no secret to my listeners uh, that. The, the agency who can master technologies effectively uh, has an advantage over everybody else. That, 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 the, that the capacity that good tools lend, uh, in this case, the insurepreneur, uh, 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 they're, they're just extremely powerful and, and that the agency of the future has um, you know now you know in addition to understanding insurance right <laughs> maybe understanding marketing uh, maybe having some understanding of strategy they also have to have the, the capacity to purchase tools um, integrate tools into their systems train teams on tools use tools mm -hmm. uh, that that now like uh, it, probably industry after industry but this is our focus insurance that from now on the mastery of technology is non-optional behavior. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think, yeah. No, I, yeah. I think that's fair. Okay, got it. All right, so uh, one last question for you, Donald. If, <laughs> well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you to speak directly to an audience that, that you probably okay. don't do that often. And so, uh, you know, based on your, your knowledge, insight, wisdom, analysis, uh, your decades in the industry, uh, if, um, if, if you had an opportunity to deliver a message to the agency principals who run this channel, right, um, right, and 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 you know they're the ones who are serious about growth and really serious about um, the future of this industry and the future of their enterprise, what do you want to say? Right. So, I, I guess my the central part of my advice is not also not a new concept, but it, it's a term embodied in the term value proposition or value proposition. So, you know, there, there's a price that consume, the, the policyholders pay, not, not directly, but, you know, come, people realize that the independent agent or agencies they're working with, you know, get compensated. So come somewhere coming out of their premium dollar and they, they have to feel that, you know, that, that, Whatever that price is, usually not very visible, certainly not a, on, a, on a personal lines level, but whatever that price is, they're getting value in return for it. And as the as an agencies think about, well, what are the two or three types of value that I give to? And let's say they segment, you know, 
First Alliance, small commercial, maybe even you know uh -huh. other other segments they market to. What are the the particular kinds of value that they deliver in return for what's ultimately coming out of the wallet, the budget of of the or people or the organization, and kind of th thinking about and that's really kind of a strategic view, if you will, of thinking about their business that way. And is that you know it, it can't be well I I give good advice. Well, that's undoubtedly <laughs> true, but yeah. that's not really much of a differentiated value proposition. So you're kind of thinking through your, your own talents, your own uh, capabilities of people, the, uh, those talents and capabilities of the people that work for you or that you might want to have work for you, and delivering, making sure you deliver on, on those two or three value propositions, say, per major, larger, uh, major segment of, of your customer base. Okay, very good. So it, it sounds like um... Oh, to some extent, or largely what you're saying is that the uh, the value of shopping for a product and passing it on is insufficient. And, and, and I'll refer to a report that Deloitte had uh, a couple okay. of years ago, a few years ago, where they determined that 60% of small commercial um, uh, purchasers of insurance felt that their agent delivered no value other than that. They got me a policy, boom, and then I never heard from them again. So I, I think what you're saying is that, you know, while we know the manufacturer creates value by developing a product, I think you're saying that as that product passes through human hands, through the agency to the consumer, that the uh, that value needs to be added at the retail level as well. Right, right. And, and doing it within the constraints, this is not going to be news to your listeners, of what may be fairly modest amounts of, com of, of commission. Fair enough. Associated with, with a given policy or a given set of policies, so that that's, that's right. not a simple problem to solve. And I don't, I don't have in the last uh, minute or whatever we have left here uh, the solution to that. But that that's a major constraint. But but it's a re real constraint. It's not a constraint that's going to go away. Well, I do have solutions for that, and I'll save those for a different conversation. <laughs> but I'll okay. also say that that the technologies uh, allow for that. I mean, you know, one of the one of the one of the powerful things about a good technology is that it multiplies your capacity. And so good technologies, I think, can provide solutions to that uh, within the uh, constraints of um, limited commission. Don, uh, as always, uh, I've enjoyed this conversation with you very much. I really appreciate you uh, taking time out to spend okay. with us today. Okay, thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Connected Insurance Podcast. If you found this episode informative, please share it with your peers and colleagues. Explore the Connected Insurance family of resources for insurance agents and brokers by visiting agencyrevolution.com and clicking media. Subscribe and get updates delivered right to your inbox. New episodes every Wednesday.